This week on Jesus, Sex, and Politics, we are live from the Indiana GOP State Convention. We have some great guests that stop by the booth. We talk about all things Indiana politics as well as what's going on in the culture, and it's going to be an amazing show. Thanks for tuning in. Here we go. Welcome to the Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all the things that culture doesn't want to talk about. That'll scare you. All right. Hey, we are at the Indiana GOP State Convention. We are celebrating uh, just our republic, and we've got some amazing guests that are going to be swinging by. Nathan... This guy was standing in line to get a, a Coke and some uh, pretzels, and I pulled him out because I'm like, okay, we got to get this guy on because he's one of our we'll stalwart him. conservative fighters in the legislature. Mr. Jim Lucas, thanks for being on great the show. Great to have you. How are you? I'm doing great. You had me at Jesus, Sex, and Politics. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> All right, so Jim, tell us what you're excited about at this convention, but also in this next legislative session that we as Hoosiers need to be be uh, looking forward to. Well, what I love is to see the uh, Republican Party affirm and commit again to the principles that made this country great. You know, limited government, personal responsibility, Second Amendment, um, right to life, First Amendment issues. So it's really good to see that put into um, formality. And, and hopefully we can stick to that going into next session. Next session shows a lot of promise. Obviously, it's a budget year. Um, a lot of new issues are propping up, you know, with the economy the way it is right now on the federal level. Uh, it will be challenging to see how the state, the things that we can do for Hoosier citizens to offset some of the insanity that the federal government's throwing at us. Do you think we're going to be able to stand up against the federal government from a state perspective? I believe we will. Um, there's a lot of energy here today, and that's a nice thing when you see um, people standing in line talking to people, how they're feeling. A lot of the grassroots especially with the candidates that are coming up at the you know the treasurer and secretary of state there are a lot of grassroots momentum and excitement out there and i think that will carry forward not only on this year's elections in the fall but in the next legislative session nice so jim you you have a history of really going to bat uh for conservative values against leftists on social media and <laughs> which is what i like about you honestly tell tell us you know, an average day in the life of a state legislature who a legislator who's not afraid to speak up against wokeness. Like, what is it like when you? Because you're you're in a lot of battles, man. Not only inside the halls of uh, the legislature, but also you know outside in the like you know tell tell us just kind of like you know how do you how do you get the boldness to do what you do? Well, it's um, <laughs> it's it's really weird, Mike. I was talking to a pastor one time, and he asked me that exact same question. And it was really cool. I told him, I said, I, I do research, I educate myself, I read, I talk to people, I listen. And once I arrive at a conclusion, I don't care if I'm the only person in a room full of a thousand people, if that's what I believe in, I stand up for a believe in, and I can back it up. And then he looks at me and goes, and the truth will set you free. And I go, what? He had, and he had a Bible on him right there, and he picks it up, and it's John. And he said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I said, well, now that I have, you know, uh, uh, you know, God backing me up here. How can you go wrong? <laughs> but no, it's it's sad. Facebook and social media, they really throttle people such as myself back and people get up there and speak the truth. But it, it's sad that they don't allow the good conversations to happen the way they used to. 
and, and I miss the good old days when you could have those long drawn out conversations. But now it seems like people are offended by anything. They'll file a complaint. Next thing you know, you're shut down and you're throttled back. But now you come out and, and we do it publicly. Meet with people. Go out and have town hall meetings. Um, I'm might get with you on starting a blog or something. You, know, <laughs> you seem to be pro on that. And you know, people like you. Know, this isn't this isn't me blowing smoke, but you're an inspiration to a lot of people. You seem to be taking the bull by the horns and running with it. And you are gathering an audience, and, and your audience is growing because you speak truth, and people listen to that, and they are yearning for people that have the courage to just get out there and stand up for what they know in their hearts is right. That's right. Let me get your take on this. It was um, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8. It's talking about... I'm done. I, you you got me on Bible <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I want to hear your point of view. <laughs> okay. So it's you, you, have, uh, you have here where kind of God's laying out, this is how you're going to do war. And one of the verses that it says is, the officer shall speak further to the people and say, who is a man who is afraid or faint-hearted? Let him depart and return to his house so that he might not make his brother's hearts melt like his own heart. And it, it seems to be saying that if you're, not everybody belongs in the fight. Not everybody can take the heat of, of the front. Yes. But if you're wired that way, <laughs> fight. And if you're not wired that way, just don't, don't, don't try to stop the warriors from being warriors. How would you interpret that? Oh, I love it. More biblical backing here. <laughs> no, I, I've, uh, I signed up for the Marine Corps Infantry when I was 17, so you mentioned maybe wired for it, and, and I do. I Sometimes I, I like a good fight, but you, know, so you have to be careful. You have to choose your battles. But the main thing is you have to stand up for what you believe in. And, you know, Edmund Burke, all that's necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. Yeah. And if ever there was a time in our history, you know, we saw what the founding fathers did, what they sacrificed, and, the, and what they gave up and went through, but what they also accomplished and gave us generations. You know, America has, what, 5% of the population, we're 25% of the world's GDP. Yeah. Um, the first time ever in mankind's history that man could enrich himself without plundering his neighbor and going out and earning it on his own. And, right. and the free market system, capitalism, is the greatest form of governance ever known to mankind. And, you know, we have the Constitution that not only recognizes that, but protects it. It limits government. It protects our individual's rights. And we've gotten so far away from that, and it's sad. Um, we need to get out there and educate people and wake them up to, hey, all the pieces are in place. You just have to have the courage enough to stand up and accept what is rightfully yours. I think a lot of people, they probably kind of feel like William Wallace to some degree from Braveheart. It's, it's I want to be, I want to, I want to live at peace. I want to raise children. I want to farm. That's what I want to do. But if you bring a battle to me, it, it, then, then I'll fight it. I, I, yes. I, I, I will fight for the right to, to live at peace. Yes. Game on. And, and, you know, sadly, this fight is being forced on a lot of people. You know, your, your conservative Americans, they basically want to be left alone. Yeah. You know, they don't want to go out and protest in the streets. They just want to get up. They want to go to work. They want to do their thing, uh, provide for their family, take care of their loved ones. But now the fight is being brought to us, and we cannot back down. You know, instead of just standing here fighting, I, I'm all for taking background. Let's take the fight to them. Well, and I think that's, you know, Rush Limbaugh, he used to talk about if we want to win this thing, we got to stay on offense. You can never get on defense Amen. to where you are, you're, you're back on your heels. Yes. It, the, the best place is to be taking ground, taking ground, taking ground. And, and so many people are like, I don't want to fight. I just don't, I, I don't want to engage there. 
There's a time to engage, and I think the time's now. It is now. Um, you look at the ground that they have taken from us and the position that we're in with inflation, you know, energy prices going through the roof, um, food prices, food scarcity yep. anymore. And it's not going to get better if we keep being complacent about it and don't do anything. Yeah, this is not acceptable. No, if, if you're not willing to fight for yourself, fight for your kids and grandkids. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's right. awesome to have you on. Man. Hey, I got a special guest that I want to introduce you to. Okay. Here, you might know him. His name is Mr. Rob Kendall. Hey, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, hey, hey, Rob. Rob. This is, uh, get in here, Rob. So, uh, wait, wait, uh, is this the high tax convention in <laughs> town here today? Here we go. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> they're, they're, they're getting their okay. shot in. Hey, Rob. Rob, if you don't know that Rob and Jim have a special relationship. So Jim does stuff in the legislature and then Rob yells at him on WIBC. So, uh, but they're both great guys. And guys, can we all just get along? Can you shake hands? Shake hands. Look at, hey, look at this. Yeah. This is amazing. I do appreciate the shout outs that Rob gives me all the time. So thank hey, you. Hey, Rob's going to be uh, with us a little bit later, but, and he's also here. Why, why, how'd they let you in? Uh, it's a, well, we had a truce today Okay. where, you know, I don't say anything about the Republican Party's excessive taxation, and then you guys leave me alone and allow me to cover the convention. So I'm not mentioning the completely out-of-control taxation by the Republican Party. Back to the show. I love it. I love it. Oh, it's cool. All right. Well, hey, Jim, thanks so much for being with us today. And um, you keep fighting the good fight, man. You are really, truly one of the good ones down there. So Thank keep you. it up, and, and we're, you know, let us know what we can do to help you. And if you ever need, like, what? how can people help you? Just real quick, how can people, like, support their legislators if you know the main thing i tell mike i I tell everybody is is to get out and go to your local city council meetings your county council meetings your school board meetings and that right there starts putting pressure on the locals that's all politics are local and if if you find a good candidate that you like get out there and support them you know not just financially and physically but spiritually pray for them help them out yeah that's good Uh, volunteer and, and Let's, this is a team effort. It's not just an I or any one person or a group of people. It has to be a large number of people that get out because, you know, that's what catches the politician's eyes is when people get fired up and start showing up at these meetings. Good. Awesome. Jim, well, keep it up, and uh, thanks pleasure. for joining us. Thanks for hey, being Hey, we'll here. be right back. Stay tuned, and uh, it's going to be an amazing convention. This is Nathan from Jesus, Sex, and Politics, and I'm talking to all of those of you who have a friend that you know is offended about everything. Listen, help them to come out of the bondage that they're in. Like us, share us, or subscribe, Jesus, Sex, and Politics, because when you do, you might help free somebody from the terrible, terrible tyranny of the mind. All right, we are back here at the Indiana GOP convention, and uh, we have, uh, it's been an amazing day so far. We're almost through the voting. Um, we've got some great state candidates that we're electing, but we're here now with an uh, uh, amazing guy, uh, Aaron Duquette, and he is the, uh, the regional director of an organization that's close to my heart called U.S. Term Limits, and they're fighting for congressional term limits. So, Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's been great. So, hey, tell us about U.S. term limits. How can we get this accomplished? Does America want this to be accomplished? Like, what are you doing and what can we do to help? 
So here's my dream. In the ideal world, we'd have sort of like a national referendum or something, right? And we'd be able to put term limits in place yesterday, right? Because 82% of the voters out there support term limits on Congress. However, that's not how it's set up. The only way that we can put term limits on Congress, and this is actually coming from a Supreme Court case, uh, they said that only a constitutional amendment, which applies to all members of Congress, regardless of your state, can put term limits on Congress. So that's what we do. We pursue a constitutional amendment proposal, both in Congress, Ted Cruz is uh, our lead sponsor in that, but we know that that's not going to come up for a vote anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> They're not going to vote to limit themselves? What? I know. It's, it's <laughs> incredible, isn't it? It is, yeah. I know, yeah. Uh, um, but uh, so there's that. But we mount pressure you know, in Congress, actually get people to sign a pledge, which Micah signed as well yep. when he ran, um, to, to get behind one proposal. Because we're going to put that in the back burner because the real teeth of our push uh, is through the other half of Article 5, which provides for an occasion by which the state legislatures can apply for a convention to get the states together to propose an amendment in a convention like we're at here today, where they would come together, have different proposals for a term limits amendment, and then whatever comes out of that process then gets sent back to the states for ratification, and we can completely circumvent Congress. We don't have to say please and thank you to them. We can say, hey, have a good trip. Don't let the door hit you on the back on the way out. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Now, when you say Article 5, for uh, listeners who don't know, what are you referring to? So, Sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Article 5 is the provision in the U.S. Constitution that allows for how amendments to the Constitution are both proposed and then ratified. We're all pretty familiar from Schoolhouse Rocks, you know, with the traditional <laughs> how Bill, way. Yeah, how Bill becomes law. Exactly. Yep, yep, yep. Well, yeah, that's actually a little more probably more intricate story than it lets on in Schoolhouse Rocks <laughs> with lobbyists and all kinds of things there. The billions of dollars that right. are spent to I'm get someone to do it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I would like to see an update to that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It'd be, oh, it'd be really gross and disgusting, I'm sure, but it'd be all the money and the, the backdoor Somebody deals. Somebody should do that. Uh, We've actually talked about doing <laughs> oh, that. Oh, we here. should yeah, totally do that. we got to get an artist to imitate the same yeah. style. But yeah. anyway, so... Um, uh, so uh, the state legislatures, I'm sorry, what was the original Oh, question? so it was just, uh, tell us about uh, Article 5 and yeah. oh, like Article in the Constitution. Five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's the provision by which, you know, you can propose amendments. And um, so Congress won't propose their own term limits, period. We can just laugh that off. No, up. you can't really believe that they would never limit themselves. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> at some point, but well, not without pressure from the states. And so the states could actually, uh, when 34 state legislatures pass a piece of legislation calling for an Article 5 convention for proposing an amendment on an agreed-upon topic, which is ours as congressional term limits, they can come together in a convention like this for the sole and express purpose of proposing one amendment for term limits on Congress, and then uh, that gets sent back to the states. So Article 5 is just in reference to the amendment provision within the U.S. Constitution. Okay, good. So uh, there, there's uh, we had uh, Cheryl Schottmeyer in from the Convention of States. She's the regional captain in mm -hmm. Indiana. She, uh, we, we talked a little bit about this on one of our previous shows, but a lot of people, when you pull up an Article 5 convention, they get a little nervous because they say, okay, well, that's great in theory. It's never been done before. Mm -hmm. How do we keep the leftists from running away with a constitutional convention, or really it's technically an Article 5 convention? Correct. Yes, but how do we keep leftists from saying, okay, hey, guess what, guys? All the conservatives are getting together to put in term limits, but let's hijack it, and we're actually going to change the Second Amendment and remove that right. and amend that out of the, the 
Constitution. How do we stop that? And is that a worry? Is that should that be a, con- a concern? So there's a front end and a back end of this. Uh, you know, the, the, you can go into great depth with this, but at the front end, I can just put this forth. There's been over 400 Article Five applications passed by the states in our nation's history. Over 400, and they are on a variety of different topics, uh, from the, the ending slavery to the civil rights era to uh, women's suffrage, all kinds of things. You know, think of a course through American history. It's there in Article Five history. And a lot of these actually are still on the books. They're indefinitely on the books. But we have never had a, a convention called. And why? Because it's always been understood from the very beginning that they have to agree upon a topic. They're, they're standing up, the states are standing up to say, we want to meet for this reason, right? And our reason is term limits on Congress. It cannot aggregate with uh, an application for a balanced budget. Right, that's a totally different subject, and they're not meeting for the same reasons. And so, it's not a constitutional convention, which is wide open. It's writing a whole new document. Right? If the states really wanted to do that, they just do it. Actually, in the Civil War, that's exactly yeah, what happened. Yeah, right? secession, yeah. We don't want that at all. Nobody wants that. That's crazy. Um, this is an amendment convention. It's just a different kind of convention, and it has a limited scope. That's good. Okay, so if people want to um, see that happen. The states are going to have to lead the way, okay? So there's going to be a resolution that's going to have to be passed at the state house, mm-hmm. saying that we are proposing to jump on board with this term limits, Article 5 convention. So how do we get the states to do that? What would you say, uh, you know, from just the average listen, listener here in Hoosierland, what can we do? to make this happen in Indiana specifically? So specifically in Indiana, uh, our website is termlimits.com. So if you go to termlimits.com slash Micah. Okay, that will <laughs> full disclosure you. time, Micah. <laughs> okay, well, I happen to be the chairman of U.S. Term Limits in Indiana, so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I thought so. I will say this. Aaron does most of the heavy lifting, okay? <laughs> I just kind of am in a pretty face in a photo, so that's it. <laughs> Well, I'm definitely not the pretty face, so that works out. It's a little symbiosis there. Yeah, um, yeah. so you can get involved there. That's actually going to put you in touch with both myself and Micah directly, and we're going to form a team here. We're going to be communicating with each other, and actually we're marching. I mean, we're, we're going and presenting to local county committees with the parties, uh, getting them to endorse this resolution and really kind of raising the awareness around the state of this cause. And we're also reaching out, you know, to... Uh, candidates for the state legislature that'll be up for uh, for election this fall um, and asking them to sign a pledge of support to co-sponsor and vote for this resolution. There's dozens that have signed uh, already in Indiana so we're looking to add to that number. The, the volunteer team is essential to making that happen. I know you said that 82% yes. both Republicans and Democrats are, are for this yep. but there's a lot of people that may not understand the, the wisdom in doing term limits. Could you explain that? Sure, you know, as an issue, why, why do we need them? Beyond, you know, the kind of gut reaction that's like, we you know, throw the bums out, you know. Um, that's true. Um, but why, right? Well, it, it, to me, it comes down to this. There's a, several different things you could say about term limits, but to me, this kind of resonates with me the most. <clears throat> Think about antitrust laws, right, that are put in place. When you have a, a monopoly in the, in the business world, right, very often they're created by government, for one thing. Right? But when you have that monopoly, it stifles competition, and that does not benefit the consumer. The consumer ends up getting the short end of the stick. Well, if you think about term limits, they're kind of like this, an analog to that. Term limits are like um, uh, a limitation on the monopolization of that, that congressional seat. So it mandates that there is a periodic vacating of that seat, and you have an open-seat election. When you have open-seat elections, uh, we see this in presidential elections, right? You have competition in the primaries of both. 
And that, that benefits a voter. Right? When you have competition in the primaries, that's a good thing. The, the parties might not like it. They might want to anoint you know, someone to be the successor, but that's not how this works. How much right? money goes towards an incumbent normally? Like percentage-wise? So um, there's a stat out there of, of the corporate super PACs. They give 97% of their money, their donations, to incumbents versus challengers. So it's not about principle. They're not doing that because, oh, we believe in principle. They're doing that because they're trying to buy influence. Yeah, they get up there in front of the television cameras, and they like to pretend that it's red versus blue. Mm, yeah, maybe it is, but it's really all about green. Yeah, that's and right. That's, that's yep. what makes the whole thing run. Yep. And, and w- when you have term limits, you're going to throw a major monkey wrench into that whole process. Also, the revolving door that happens. Yeah. Think about how many members of Congress become lobbyists. Well, if you flood the market with a bunch of former members of Congress that all want to become lobbyists, there's only so many lobbyist jobs. They might have to actually go home. Yeah. yeah <laughs> hey, <laughs> fancy that. And then the ones that are actually are lobbyists have to compete more and they have to start over because their relationships is their bread and butter. They have to start over building those relationships because you keep losing the longer term people. Yeah, that's mm. good. So um, I would think that conservatives specifically, and this is the GOP convention here in Indiana, I would think that this is probably a primarily Republican issue just because it seems like common sense tends to be on the side of Republicans, not Democrats. But... You would say that this is really a, this is an American issue. This is 80 some percent want term limits. Is that right? Oh, wait, amen. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm a registered independent myself, but I almost always vote Republican myself. Um, it, but then I also go home and have dinner with my family and my family votes Democrat okay. or registered Democrats in some case. Um, and we all agree on this. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a common sense kind of measure. Everyone kind of realizes, hey, my voice is not being heard. In Congress, and this is a solution to give it the opportunity to have real candidates to cast your vote for that you're not kind of like holding your nose and saying, Well, it's the lesser of two evils. I am sick and tired of that. Yeah, me too. You know? So, uh, what's the percentage uh, right now of Americans' vote, of voters that want term limits? Do you know? Yes, I do. Uh, so, uh, the most recent national poll that, um, uh, sorry, Scott Rasmussen did uh, late last year had it at 82%. Uh, nationwide, wow. that was eighty. If I'm remembering right, eighty-seven uh, of percent of Republican voters, eighty-three percent of Democratic. Wow, voters. I think seventy-eight percent of the independents. Okay, yeah, it's amazing. So independents actually were the ones that were a little lower then, huh? Yeah, well, it flipped. Uh, the previous poll had the same number of eighty-two percent a few years ago, but it was the Democrats were seventy-eight percent, and then the independents were the uh, eighty-three. So, okay, you know. I yeah. guess, uh, but more that's or still less the same. that's still yeah. high. It's still higher than Biden Biden's approval rating. So R- right, exactly, <laughs> Congress's <laughs> approval rating is even less. Oh, than that's his. true. That's right. Yeah, way less. Which is, actually, that's, you're right. Yeah. It is. It is. But you know what's interesting? The individual congressman or congresswoman typically their approval ratings are high. So yeah. overall, Americans look at Congress and say, oh, I'll throw all the bums out. But then when you ask them specifically about their own representative, they say, oh, no, they're great. They do. We love them. And, and I think there's just, there's, that, that's incumbent on the voters. We've got to do a better job just in general of understanding the process, watching our representatives and holding them accountable because they're obviously part of the problem. If they're not, you know, if we have a low approval rating of Congress, then our representatives aren't doing a good job themselves either. Now, they may be one of the good guys, quote unquote, but they're still, they're not getting it done. You know, Fox News did a couple polls on this issue about 10 years apart. 
and they actually measured, you know, do you support term limits on Congress? On the second poll that they did, they asked the same question, but then they worked into the question, uh, understanding that term limits, if that was put in place, would term limit your own oh, yeah, rep. congressman and your own senator, do you support term limits in Congress? The number went up. Oh, did it really? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, anecdotally, I'm like, yeah, I'm in Kentucky. Yeah. I like yeah. Rand Paul. I'm yeah. going to be casting oh, my vote for yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it doesn't really matter about it. It's about the, and Rand Paul will be the first person to tell you this. It's about the overall health of the institution of Congress Amen. Amen. that we have this in place. And we're going to lose some good ones. I mean, that, you know, term limits will inevitably like get rid of some good leaders, but don't be so foolish to think that there aren't other good good leaders in the wings that the Lord would, would well, raise up. And I just to share a, a term limit story of a time I lost a deacon on our board. He was a he was one of our best deacons, and 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 then he just decided I'm not going to do this anymore. And I said, Why? I need you. You're great. And he he said, uh, Well, because I believe in term limits. And and it was actually good for our board. It turned out to be good for our whole church because. It, it, it really brought in a new leader. Now, I would love to have that guy again, but the truth of the matter is the, the new leader helped us get to a new level of health to, to be able to do things that we were previously not doing. And because this man was not intending to hold on to power, you know, where, where he had it, he was really very much worried about doing the right thing to set up the next group of people coming in. Yeah, we're all, it's our human nature. We're all weak and fallen. Yeah. And, and even the best of us can do really well, but it, we it have a hard time in our concupiscence <laughs> to, to like <laughs> sort of fall into um, the trap that comes with, with having that power. And, and even just, you know, you can kind of get set with the same people. I mean, in the corporate world, uh, CEOs, there's an average when they turn over CEOs about every eight years. Yeah. And it gives new life to those organizations, to yeah. those businesses. Yeah. Um, and that's healthy and that's a good thing. And you can go on and do other things. You don't have to fade into a total obscurity. You can go run for something else or do some other project. And, you know, I didn't find that, that the new boards that I got or the new, the new leaders that we got didn't care about what the old leaders had done. There was actually kind of an honor for what those guys had mm. done. Um, it wasn't about going and destroy the whole thing, right. but we're going to really build on this. It, it, but, they, but they could think for themselves... And it, and it worked out great. That's good. It's awesome. Well, uh, Aaron, thanks for everything you're doing to promote this amazing cause. And if you have any questions, go to usTermLimits.org, uh, right? Com. Well, dot com. Either way, we'll get you there. Okay. Right? All right. You got both. Okay. All right. I think I've gone to both, and yeah. I feel like I've been like, oh, that works too. All right. And uh, slash Micah, if you, uh, shameless plug there, uh, you did come up with the, the website name. Folders, yes. Exactly. Yeah, that was not me. This I didn't say. This is all me. This is not I didn't say, like, Aaron. Hey, let's make a page about me. <laughs> No, it wasn't that Aaron, at all. I, put I my said, name hey, up. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's great, and I, I've been I've really enjoyed partnering with you guys, and uh, it's been fun. And we're gonna we're gonna see this. I, it's gonna be an amazing experiment in democracy when we have our first Article Five uh, convention. It's gonna it's gonna help us create a more perfect union. Amen. And that's Amen the founders' that. vision. Yep. So um, that's that's what we're here to do, and we're stewarding this beautiful land of liberty that God has given us, and uh, and we're not gonna we're not gonna pass it on to the next generation where it's broken and dilapidated, dilapidated even more than than what it, you know we got it in our hands. So right. uh, all that to say, um, yeah, we we appreciate it. Hey, so uh, thanks for uh, tuning in today. We are at the GOP convention here on Jesus, Sex, and Politics. Uh, we're gonna be back after this break. Um, stay tuned. We got a lot of good stuff coming.
If you're in the Hamilton County, Noblesville area, be sure to check out Sunshine Service Incorporated. They service all makes and models of cars, and they are your friends, local community members who specialize in auto repair service. They believe the business of auto repair is that the service is the difference. Their auto technicians in Noblesville use state-of-the-art tools, equipment, and training to keep up with today's most complicated vehicle management systems, from brakes to batteries, filters to fluids, routine preventative maintenance to complex full vehicle repairs and service. They have you covered. Be sure to call George and his amazing team. I use them. They've been great on my car. I have nothing but good things to say about them and you will too. We guarantee it. All right, we are back. We're at the Indiana GOP convention, and we've got a great guest who's joining us here on the podcast, Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast, Jake Gilbert from the city of Westfield. He's running for mayor of Westfield. So, Jake, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Tell us a little bit about two things, what you're doing in Westfield and in your campaign and why you're running for mayor. But also, this is your first time as a delegate down here at the state convention. How's it been? What's the experience like for people who are listening, have no idea what a Republican convention in Indiana looks like or feels like? What's your thoughts on it? Well, first off, uh, thanks for having me. I feel like a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, You're a Nathan football here. coach. You get you get a lot of applause from uh, the stands. So I've never get... been asked to be on this podcast before, no matter how well we do. So, yeah. Um, so, thank you yeah, so much. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, first off, the, the convention, man, uh, learning experience for me. I wanted to get deeper involved with the party and uh, learn more about the process and, and just be willing to volunteer wherever needed. Uh, so I put my name on the ballot. That was exciting. So that was my, my second election. I'm on the city council at Westfield. So uh, two for two, I guess. That's great. <laughs> hoping to go three for three next year. But um, it, it's been great to, to, to see this as more of a unifier. Uh, not everybody, but it seems like a, a lot of uh, opportunity to unify the party here, get behind candidates. Uh, and help carry them through in November. And the process in and of itself, educational and exciting to be a part of. So just grateful to be here and um, taking it very seriously. Got to listen to every speech and we certainly have some some great candidates out there. So, so what we do at the convention is we, uh, t- we are electing our nominees for treasurer, secretary of state and auditor. Yep. So we got people running for those positions, uh, great candidates like Jake said, and we also have to uh, approve the party platform yep. and what we stand for. And so that was a real, that was an interesting process. We had some uh, naysayers and some people pushing for things and we had some people trying to support it and other people said don't support it. So that it was, it was a neat experiment in, you know, democracy really, <laughs> you know, it's, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, so, okay. So on, on the mayoral race, tell us a little bit about Westfield, uh, why you're running for mayor. Like, you know, you're, Look, what made you make the jump? I mean, you got a great gig as a yeah, as a teacher sure. and a football coach, and I mean, you're really you want to go in the being the mayor? Like, why? Are you I crazy? <laughs> yeah, I get that question about every day. Uh, you know, I just love our city, and I have. We can't leave Westfield. Football coaches often leave, right? You have some success, you get fired either way, but we cannot leave Westfield. It's been like hitting the lottery to live there and grow uh, grow up uh, and raise our kids there. So. 
we've gotten involved in community deeper and deeper. I'm not really a politician, uh, but I am a, a public servant, and we serve our community in several ways at church, and I run the Wellbeing Coalition of Westfield, and we're, we're just very involved and uh, ran for council, but I feel like what I can bring to the table is what our city really needs right now. We're, um, you know, we really struggled, uh, and we have kind of a negative culture existing with our mayor and clerk treasurer and city council, and I just think I can fix that. I unite people. I bring people together, and uh, this is not out of anger or some axe to grind. I just love our city, and I want to lead it to its full potential. Let me ask a question just about the football side of things, because... Yeah. Um, basically means you're in youth ministry absolutely you know and this you've, is, been, you've been, been our ministry. you've been pouring out to to young men in particular we see such a crisis of fathers in uh, a father the the decrease in fathers in america has tripled over the last 50 years but in many ways it's guys like you coaches that are reaching out to young men who don't have dads Tell us what you see is the is the fix for uh, where our young people are charting. We get so much violence uh, with with a lot of kids as they 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 lack that. How are you filling that gaps? How are guys like you and just talk to us a little bit about that fathering role? Even though you're yeah. not a biological dad, but you're playing a, a major part in these guys' lives. Well, you know, I was fatherless, wow. and uh, my my mom was in prison, and so I really didn't have parents. Uh, but my football coach help certainly fill in that gap in my role so when it comes to um, my character you know he really taught me the principles to live by he taught me hard work he taught me uh, to, to love others he taught me you know you get what you earn he he taught me a lot of values and and I was eternally grateful for that it was through a football coach that I found Christ it was through a football program that I found so many of my friends and just so many people cared about me. So that being said, I decided I wanted to be a football coach and give back to pay it forward um, for all those people who had, had jumped into my life and given to me. And so I obviously I really believe in the process. And I think a lot of people can come to the game and they they throw that term coach around loosely and inside out like I don't like that. Because, um, you know, you can say, well, I'm a coach in this way or that way. Or I'm just like you. I'm a coach. And they're not, you know, we've buried four kids under 20 in the last two years. Wow. So they're not getting those phone calls. I am, you mm. know, and I, uh, we've stopped suicides. We've helped a gazillion kids just try to get on the right track of, of behavior and use football as really a tool um, to, to bring them to Christ and, and use that as our ministry. If you come to a Westfield game, we've just been so blessed and protected, and you can really see God moving in our program, our numbers have exploded. We have over 200 kids at the high school. We have 88th graders, 87th graders. There, there's, you know, we're closing in on a thousand football players in our city, and so what a great opportunity to truly um, model Christ and, and, and make a difference. And it has been a great ministry. You're doing it, but could I ask one question? What would you say to men out there in general? Because I think as as the men go in our country, so goes goes our country. Right. And, 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 you know, at, at our church, it's fathering sons and daughters into the kingdom of God. That's what we're about. You, you never take off your dad hat, no matter how old you are. And even when you're not doing it to your own children, you pick up somebody else's kid right. and you start playing a father role in their life. What would you say to other men to inspire them to do what you're doing in so many young men's lives? Well, be bold and intentional. I mean, recognize the need. 
make it your purpose. Be purposeful about your actions, knowing that if if you're not, then all these false models of masculinity like sex, uh, athletic success, monetary success, they they fill in the gap, and they're the ones yeah. that you know. That's what leads a young man into thinking that this is what a real man is versus. Um, you know, like the model of Christ. I, you yeah. know, I know growing up, it was hard for me to articulate this because I, I really didn't grow up in the church, but I, I just thought Jesus was a wimp, hmm. I guess. You yeah. know, I mean, from the neighborhood I grew up in. But then later I, I learned just about the boldness and the courageousness he, and the He's toughness. the most manly thing there You're is. darn right. Yeah. Um, but if we don't tell that story, so I think any man can come alongside a boy uh, or, or it, by, by a child and model, teach, show them um, this is what a real man should look like. Uh, yeah. That happened in my life. I'm grateful, and we try to do that. I think anybody can uh, can make that difference in a yeah. child's life. Well, it's the day before Father's Day, yeah. and uh, it's cool to have this conversation with you. We need we need fathers like you leading in the community. Who, who can see generationally and leave a legacy behind him. Thank you so much for, you know, being willing to step out there. I think our listeners have learned a lot more about what drives you, and well, that's going to be important. It, it's an honor. And, I, you know, I, we say often in our program, what you do in moderation, next generation your, your children does. will do an excess. Exactly. You know? And so if, the, if we want to say, well, we're going to treat these players like our own kids, and well, then we better man up and do it right. I mean, if you study lineages in the Bible – um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, you, you can see the compromise begin to sit in a, as you go down the line. I don't want that to happen to my children, but I don't want it to happen for any children. Yeah, so that's right. you got to be bold and courageous. Well, thank you, man. Thank, thank you for you. what you're doing. So, uh, Jake, if people want to get involved uh, with the campaign or learn yeah. more about you, where can they go to, to find out? Yeah, jakegilbertfromair.com, and they can sign up, send me an email uh, at electjakegilbert at gmail dot com call me send the passenger pigeon whatever i'm not that hard to find <laughs> to be honest i'm out in the community but did you get my uh, letter through a uh, uh, carrier pigeon did you not no, you didn't get I that it was okay a smoke signal. oh is that what it was okay <laughs> yeah well we uh we, we were we're gonna have the municipality elections uh, are 2023 yes, so sir. you'll be on the ballot in 2023 yep. for both the primary in may, may but of then yeah and then uh if uh lord willing you get through that then you'll be in the general yep in november all right well hey we'll be uh, watching closely and thanks for what you do to serve the community and you're definitely a, a light for Christ in, in a you. lot of dark spots. So, so thanks for everything you're doing. So appreciate yeah. you guys. Thanks Absolutely, for being Thank bold you. in yourselves. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yep. Hey, we'll be we'll be back. Uh, stay tuned, uh, and you're not going to want to miss what's next. Hey, this is Nathan from Jesus, Sex, and Politics, and I'm talking to all of our younger Gen Zer listeners. Listen, you are extraordinary because you are actually paying attention and enjoying the fact that. We are being very fun in our offense. So share and subscribe and get the word out about Jesus, sex, and politics because your friends, as, as the good old Maharishi Rush Limbaugh would say, their mind's full of mush. But you don't have to stay that way. We will help craft it into a brilliant, brilliant mind that is congruent with God's word. Well, listen, we're back here with Jesus, Sex, and Politics. We want to make sure that we call out, we got a letter from Crosby, Texas, and uh, it's Reba. She writes, uh, Pastor Nathan, Pastor Micah, thank you so much for your podcast. I've recently uh, found it, and this is 
the only one that I can enjoy with my two-year-old because I don't want all the politics in her heart. This is like a hug from Jesus. So I want her to grow up in the love of Jesus. She laughs when I laugh at your show. Thank you, Reba. Reba, thanks for being a listener of ours. And uh, and we're glad that you're out there. Thanks for writing into us. If you have anyone, uh, anything out there that you'd like to tell us um, about how this show is making a difference in your life, we'd love to hear it. And, uh, and we'll, we'll give you a shout out every once in a while. It is uh, the, the reason we got into this is because there was so much that needed to be said that couldn't be said on a Sunday morning. And, and you know, the Bible, we do expository preaching at Life Church, and, and sometimes the text doesn't always give us just the right thing to be able to talk about what's going on in our world. Sometimes it does, and we wanted to take our shots on Sunday mornings, but what about whenever we couldn't do that? Could we, could we do a podcast that could make a difference and kind of tie what our... Uh, you, you may have conservative values, but do you know where those things come from? And we want to connect that with the Word of God. And when we feel like we're making a difference in your life, you feel like, hey, I, I am understanding more and more. I'm actually growing here and realizing that the Bible is really the source of, uh, of where these great ideals came from. And that is such a win for us. So if you're out there, you want to drop us a line, you can do that. And uh, we just want to say thank you for all of our awesome listeners that we have out there. God bless you guys. Hey, this is Micah from Jesus, Sex, and Politics. Thanks for listening. Hey, do us a favor. Like, subscribe, share, and tell your friends about Jesus, Sex, and Politics. Uh, We want to get the word out about truth in our culture. How do we win the battles uh, for the hearts and minds of the next generation and the future of this nation? And Jesus, Sex, and Politics is helping to do that. So tell your family, tell your friends, even give it to your liberal aunt. Uh, who may not like you after you tell her about this, but she will be better off because you shared Jesus, sex, and politics. Thanks for listening.